All right. Well, it's good to see you today, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin. Hope that you had a good weekend. Uh, so we are uh, continuing our, our journey through the Old Testament at this point. Um, we're getting to the end. In fact, today we'll get to the end of Solomon's life. Uh, so today we're going to be reading, as uh, see, 1 Kings chapter 11, and then 2 Chronicles chapters 1 through 9. Okay, chapters 1 through 9. So that's quite a bit. Um, now, remember, you have some, a lot of repetition between First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, First and Second Kings was written much earlier, um, dur- you know, closer to the time of the actual events. The uh, Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, was written later and is kind of a, uh, a more favorable view. It's not that it's not accurate or true. It just doesn't include all of the, some of the uglier stuff, right? So it makes David look uh, better than he actually was. It doesn't mention some of his faults where Kings does. Same thing with Solomon. So we're going to see that with Solomon. Uh, There's quite a bit of the first and second Chronicles that is repetitive of uh, Solomon building the temple. Some of it is direct. I mean, you can tell that the Chronicles used uh, kings as a source. Um, you know, so uh, you see a, a little bit of different perspective, um, but there are some, uh, some unique things too. And we'll, we'll draw some of those out. But so first Kings chapter 11, this is, uh, at the, the end of Solomon's life. And this is where things kind of fall apart, right? We've talked about Solomon, talked about his wisdom. Um, which he was, um, talked about, you know, that, that he did complete the temple. Um, but he also, in his later years, um, he fell away from the Lord. And it's first uh, Kings chapter 11, uh, starting in verse uh, 10, uh, verse 9, it says, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have not done this and have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. All right. So basically this is this is the beginning of the the tumultuous history of the nation of Israel. Um, so Solomon is a, a because he failed the basic thing that is repeated over and over and over in the Old Testament. You shall have no other gods before me. It is a constant uh, theme of of the importance of that. It, more important than even sinful behavior. Because right? uh, David had sinful behavior. Um, David did things that were, were really bad, and he committed murder. He committed adultery, right? But he never sought after foreign gods, right? He, he always uh, con- and continually went back to God, even after his failures. And um, it, it does show there's, there's what, what is most important. Right, that that God 
desires for us to continue to seek after him um, and not to start following other gods because he is the one true God. And what we see here in the rest of chapter 11, you start seeing different adversaries that are going to come into play, that are going to be part of this dividing of the kingdom, uh, because you are going to have most of the kingdom, uh, most of the tribes are going to go to the north uh, versus some of the tribes going to the south, right? So there's going to be a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. We'll we'll be seeing that as we transition uh, next week. Um, But uh, so you have some of the, the Edomites that have been a problem. They're going to become a continued problem. Then you have Jeroboam. Uh, this is interesting. So Jeroboam uh, is Solomon's servant. Um, and Jeroboam goes out and he uh, meets with Ahijah, uh, who is a prophet. And Ahijah actually tells him that um, you're going to be, uh, you know, receive some of the kingdom. And he gives this uh, prophecy of how the uh, kingdom is going to be broken up. And it's interesting, uh, after that, uh, it says, Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, uh, to Shishak, uh, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. So Jeroboam, he uh, receives this prophecy from, from God that is true, and look at how Solomon responds. You know, and, and there's there's a lesson there. Uh, we we need to be careful how we respond to even bad bad uh, um, words, right? Uh, I can't. I just lost my train of thought there. But uh, be be careful whenever we're told something we did, don't want to hear, something that we don't like. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not true. Uh, maybe Solomon should have heard those words and said, what have I done? Maybe I should go back to God. No, instead he decided, you know what? I'm going to fix this myself. I'll just care, uh, kill Jeroboam. Then this prophecy won't come true. Well, he wasn't able to do that. And of course, the prophecy will become true. Then we have uh, verse 41, the death of Solomon. Uh, so the next uh, few uh, chapters, you uh, I encourage you to read Second Chronicles um, one through nine. So this is a, a lot of repetitiveness. So as you as you kind of go through through here, starts off with Solomon requesting wisdom, um, and it, then then God said to Solomon, verse eleven, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor of the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as no. None of the kings uh, have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. And that is very true. That came to pass. Um, it talks about Solomon's military and his economic power. Um, we uh, talks about the king of Tyre, uh, Hiram, who did, they did a lot of building projects together. Um, I thought this was interesting um, from a, a not not a biblical source, but from Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, who he used uh, other historian as, as sources, uh, said that Solomon and Hiram, king of of Tyre, not only did they have a, a good 
partnership uh, together, and and Hiram became very wealthy because of his partnership with Solomon. Um, but that supposedly they had competition uh, with each other in solving riddles, uh, and they would bet on it. and it, And it started off that Solomon would win all of the uh, bets, but then Hiram uh, went out and found someone to help him, and he started winning, winning, winning back his money. Do we know if that's true? No, but that is uh, in some other historical records um, that do verify or substantiate that there was King Solomon and Hiram and, and that they had a relationship and a partnership just as, as the Bible says. So uh, chapter three um, starts talking about the temple. Uh, remember, uh, we, we spent some time looking at that uh, in, in Kings, um, but uh, the, the temple was uh, all of the, most of the material was uh, prepared by David, but Solomon began to build it. Um, the furnishings of the temple are very, most of it uh, is very exorbitant, uh, gold and cedar, um, a, a very beautiful place. Um, verse uh, 5 talks about the ark now being brought into the temple, the ark of the covenant. Um, and uh, when they uh, were consecrating that place, uh, they, they sang, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Uh, you see that in quite a few places in the Old Testament. And that's a, it's a good reminder for us, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Um, then you have Solomon's speech uh, after the completion of the work and then his uh, dedication prayer. I think it's good just to be reminded of some of the uh, points that are, are, are said here. Verse 18, uh, there of chapter 6 says, But will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the, uh, heaven, and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less the temple which I have built. Yet regard uh, the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be open toward this temple day and night, toward the place where you said you would put your name, and you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place. And may you hear of the supplications of your servants and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Now, reiterate this. The temple was the representative of God's presence here on earth, right? His presence with us. They recognized that he couldn't be contained by that temple, right? That, That his literal presence wasn't necessarily always dwelling there at the temple, right? God is much bigger than that. Uh, he is He is not contained to one place. But the temple represented for the, for the people a place that they could always look towards, and it was a reminder that God is with them, right? That God is present, that God has called them to be his people. And, and that, whenever, as we move on, it's important to remember that of the place that the temple holds to the people. Um, because we're going to see eventually the temple is going to be destroyed and imagine what the people are feeling like. They know that God is still, um, present, right? That he wasn't, uh, confined within the temple, but the temple had been the place that they looked to constantly to, for forgiveness, for a reminder of God's presence and, and, uh, with them. And, and eventually that's going to be taken away. Um, uh, Solomon's prayer continues to go uh, and says, 
please uh, forgive those who have who have wronged you. You know all of the the reasons for having the temple, um, and it's all all about this relationship that that uh, God desires to have with His people. Uh, I did want to this thought was interesting. Verse thirty six says, "When they sin against you." Um, for there is no one who does not sin. So he's talking about the people, and so uh, he is praying to God. He says, when they sin against you and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to a land far or near, yet when they come to themselves in the land where they are carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have committed wickedness, and when they return to you with their heart and with all their soul in the land of captivity, where they have been carried and captive and prayed towards the land in which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and towards the temple, uh, which I have uh, built in your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open, let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. And then uh, chapter 7, they again sing as they experience God uh, consuming the sacrifices. It says, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Isn't that interesting? So often we don't connect the Old Testament with a forgiving God, yet the heart of the temple was imploring God to forgive when the people went their own way. Um, even when the people were taken away from the land, uh, when they were in captivity, isn't that interesting? Acknowledging that uh, that their sin may get so bad that they end up being taken captive, but even there that they can ask for forgiveness, they can repent, and they can experience reconciliation with God. Um, we can continue on to the, getting close to the bottom of chapter 7. Uh, this is a God speaking to Solomon again. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Uh, when I uh, shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. For I have chosen the sancti- the, and sanctified this house, and my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Right. So this is a very familiar verse um, in Second Chronicles. Um, many times it's used to implore a nation, a group of people uh, to turn and to pray. But there's so much more than that, right? Like it says, if they will uh, um, seek, and let's, let's say, there we go. Uh, if people who are called by my name will humble themselves right, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them their sin and heal their land, right? This isn't just a casual prayer. This is actually humbling ourselves to recognize where we have failed, where we are going wrong, um, and, and acknowledging that before God, and then actually changing that, right? And uh, sometimes I think we, 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 we wish that that we could just pray our way out of the difficulties that we are experiencing as a society or you as an individual 
and prayer is very important but but it's it's much more than just praying um and and asking god for things no we need to humble ourselves so that we recognize where we have failed where we are wrong and we actually change those things we don't just pray about it we actually listen in our prayers listen to what god is speaking to us and then we make the changes needed um, I think that's so important uh, that we we recognize that. I want to just, again, reiterate the importance uh, in verse 19. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land, which I have given them, this house which I have sanctified for my name. Right. So there are. There's this constant recognition of there will be consequences. It doesn't mean that God ever completely removes his love um, or his capacity for forgiveness and his capacity for mercy, um, but there are consequences when we choose to go our own way. Uh, chapters 8 and 9, uh, 8 kind of has some additional things that Solomon built. Chapter 9 talks about the Queen of Sheba um, and how wise Solomon is and that she came and asked him lots of questions and he amazed her with his wisdom and with his wealth. Um, and then you you just ha- have that in, in Chronicles and then all of a sudden Chronicles ends with the death of Solomon. Uh, it doesn't mention how Solomon started worshiping other gods. It, it doesn't go into that, right? Um, it doesn't say that he, he doesn't do it, right? It just, eh, that, that wasn't, wasn't important for uh, the, the chronicler. Um, so now we have the death of Solomon that we've seen both in Kings and in, in uh, Chronicles. And uh, we are now going to, to begin um, looking at, at the aftermath Right, so we'll we'll look at First uh, Kings, uh, twelve through fourteen at least by Thursday, twelve through fourteen, probably First Kings twelve to sixteen. Yeah, First Kings twelve to sixteen, and then Second Chronicles ten and eleven. All right, so we'll we'll hit that on Thursday. I hope that you have a good week, and we'll see you Thursday.